0: One of the key things I would say to individuals is, if you're completing PDUs just to tick the box, you're wasting an opportunity. You're wasting your opportunity and you're wasting your organization's opportunity because this is really your investment in ensuring that you remain competitive in today's environment. Not only within your organization, but also competitive with your peers who are project leaders.
1: Welcome to Manage This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. This is our opportunity to meet with you and talk about what real life is like in the shoes of a professional project manager. I'm your host, Nick Walker, and with me is the guy who is always on the lookout for interesting and talented people we can bring in our program. And Bill, it looks like your talent scout eyes have uh, snagged another big fish. <laughs> yeah, I'm delighted that Stephen. Townsend is going to give
2: us the time on the podcast. He is a very busy man. I've known him. Goes pretty far back, probably 2011, when I served on the advisory group for the PMI REP communities, when I really got to know Stephen and then had the uh, opportunity to sit in on one of his talks, a couple of his talks, actually, at uh, the Fall Global Conference back in fall of 2019 and just was reminded of the depth of his knowledge and the experience that he has. Stephen's out there in the marketplace. He meets with so many companies to talk with them about their project management practices and where they're going, what trends they see. So great to have him on with
1: us today. Well, before we meet him, let's learn a little bit more about him. Stephen Towson has worked with PMI since 1999, and currently he is PMI's director for network programs. In this capacity, he leads special program initiatives for the institute. One of those is serving on the UK's Project X Research Consortium Steering Committee, supporting the Benefits Realization Management Research Stream. He's also involved in exploring how organizations are enhancing and reinventing their value delivery capabilities. For U.S. federal government agencies, he produces materials to help them implement requirements associated with the Program Management Improvement Accountability Act. He also leads the PMBOK Guide 7th Edition Transformation Workstream. Stephen, welcome to Manage This.
0: Thank you. Good to be with you all today.
1: We want to talk with you about some of the changes and challenges you see coming down the pike for future project managers. But first, I'd like for us to talk about an analogy that Bill says you made at the PMI Global Mm -hmm. Congress last fall. And uh, any listeners with a background in the restaurant industry are going to get this right away. (laughs) You said that some project managers are cooks and others are chefs, and also that we need both. So can you explain that analogy?
0: Yeah, so just to put it in the context of uh, the conversation that we had at the PMI Global Conference, we presented a slide that was intended to be provocative, to get people to really think about themselves in the context of their organization and its current state, whether that's in transformation, whether they're in steady state. And the question was, do you envision yourself as a project manager or as a transformer? And I'm hoping that people don't take anything negative from the connotations of a cook versus a chef, but they really reflect different mindsets, skills and capabilities that we wanted to emphasize in the conversation. So for example, the cook likes process. right? Give me a pathway to creating the desired output and constrain change so that I can actually deliver what I've been asked to deliver. And one of our PMI volunteer contributors, a gentleman by the name of Eric Norman, who led the development of the third edition of our standard for program management, shares that in the context of program management, the team embraces change because you're trying to implement a vision of something that's completely different that you haven't done before. But in a project, your focus is on constraining change because you have a very specific output that you're trying to accomplish and anything that changes that output requires change across all of the different elements of the project that you're trying to manage, particularly the cost and the schedule and the resources. So in projects as much as you can, you try to constrain change, whereas in programs, you tend to embrace change. And so in the environment that a cook operates in, a cook wants to maintain the stable conditions. So you want the oven at the right temperature. Mm-hmm. You want all of the exact ingredients in the exact quantities that you need them. A chef, on the other hand, likes experimentation. For a chef, the outcome is about the experience in finding the right ingredients, in understanding how to blend them and in delivering a fantastic meal at the end. It's not about the deliverable, it's about the outcome. And so in this context, the chef understands the properties of the ingredients and how to blend them, how to produce the desired flavors. Chefs also love improvisation, they love tailoring and they love adaptation. So, if you look at that in a project context, if I'm the type of person who likes stability or who understands and feels that the process is the way to guide the achievement of the outcomes, I'm going to be more of a cook. So, I'm going to want to use the process to constrain change, have all the right ingredients at the right time at the right temperature to move things forward. If I'm the kind of person that loves a challenge that loves a little bit of chaos, I might be more of a chef because I want to be able to pivot and adapt. I want to use process where process makes sense. But there may be times where we have to pivot, we have to adapt, we have to invent our own way of being able to deliver. And particularly as organizations are going through transformation, as they're trying to build new transformative capabilities, the chef characteristics play a much greater role in those types of initiatives than they might in some of your more product or service delivery types of activities. And to the point that we were discussing before the podcast started, we had a young lady in the audience who said that she was actually a mixture of both, that she liked process because process gave her a sense of discipline and order that helped her frame how she might focus on delivering the outcome, but she also liked a little bit of chaos and the mm. ability to be adaptive and to change, and in some instances to actually instigate change. So not just responding to change, but being the one to instigate change in the organization. So people kind of know where they fit in this construct and what they're comfortable with, and the key thing is you can be one, you can be the other, you can be both. And organizations need project professionals who bring both skill sets to bear.
2: Steve and I agree with that so much. And one thing I've noticed about the great chefs, they started out as cooks. And I think definitely you know, to draw on that analogy further, I think project managers again we have to learn how to how to walk before we can really start running and sprinting. And you're right, organizations need both. Both those who can follow a recipe and keep banging out consistent great results. And then they, they need those who improvise or perform really well when there is a chaotic moment. There's a show that I like watching called Chopped, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, 60 Minutes of Chaos. It's, uh, there are four chefs that are competing to be the chop champion every episode. And uh, those are definitely chefs. They don't have recipes, they're given I think 20 minutes for the appetizer round, 30 minutes for the uh, entree round, and 30 minutes for dessert. And they're competing against each other. They have the same ingredients. There's no recipe. So, you know, cooks beware, right? You really, you have to <laughs> improvise and you have all these different resources that you can go to, to pull right. in different flavors. And so it's fun to watch that, but I can, I can see how that analogy plays out with project managers. And, and one thing I'm excited about, Stephen, After hearing your presentation, your talk at Global, I was thinking, you know, what a great conversation to have in terms of what you see in terms of trends in the marketplace for project managers. How do you see the position or the role evolving? And I know you and I had some prior conversation about a particular study from the American Productivity and Quality Center. Maybe a good time for us to talk through some of that, some of those findings.
0: Sure. Before we go to that topic, though, I also want to point out, because when we use the word project manager, people think of a traditional environment. But if you think of the chef and cook analogy, the same applies in the Agile community. So I talk to a lot of people, for example, about the different uh, Agile methodologies and frameworks, et cetera. And I often hear that you know, we don't follow a process in agile environments, <laughs> yeah. uh, but Scrum clearly has processes and Absolutely. ceremonies and artifacts and things along those lines. And the focus there is the same. It is the ceremonies, the artifacts, and the process are designed to help you build a disciplined approach for delivery. But there is a point at which you grow beyond what that disciplined approach can help you achieve. So, you start to enhance your toolkit with other skills and other capabilities, other types of tools and techniques that you can apply. And so, even in the Agile community, there is this movement of what's beyond Scrum? Right. What's our next skill set that we have to adapt? So, this is not just a traditional project management concept of uh, cook and chef. It also applies in the Agile community, but to your point about all chefs start out as cooks. So if we're new to a discipline, everything is new to us in the beginning, Mm -hmm. and we need some framework to give us a degree of discipline that we can use and apply as we continue along that path. And so very much so in both the traditional community and the Agile community, that construct works as well.
1: Let me just interject something, because I'm speaking always as an outsider here, but it seems to me, just kind of trying to visualize that restaurant kitchen environment with the chefs and the cooks, there is the potential, the uh, recipe, there's my air quotes, recipe (laughs) for conflict. And is that something that is going to be inevitable, or is it something that can be overcome? Is it something that isn't going to happen? Am I totally speaking uh, out of turn here? No, I,
2: I think, Conflict comes with a job. I think when we're doing projects and we're taking on initiatives that are bigger than us, it requires a team to do it. And it requires a mind shift because projects create new results. They create new products. They change the status quo. So in my mind, conflict comes with a job. If you have a position description that you're creating for a project manager, one of the bullet points should be, you're comfortable with conflict. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I think one of the challenges that we often have is that individuals think that if you have a process or a methodology, that it is static, that it really doesn't change, it really doesn't grow, and it really doesn't adapt, and what I hear when I talk to a lot of practitioners is their organizations can sometimes get stuck in their methodology or their framework because that's the way we've always done things, or that's what our leadership expects. But again, given the fact that many organizations are going through transformation, they're dealing with different types of competitors in their marketplace, they're bringing in staff with different skills and capabilities, there's a lot of internal and external pressure on organizations to adapt. Mm -hmm. So there is conflict within the organization around, this is the way we've always done it, But there is also movement towards, we need to expand our toolkit. We need a framework that can accommodate both traditional project delivery and agile project delivery with some level of common discipline across the spectrum. And so many of our organizational leaders are going through this transformation and trying to find the right balance between what level of rigor and consistency do we need versus what level of flexibility and adaptation can we give our teams to deal with the unique circumstances that they face in the projects and the programs that they're trying to deliver?
2: Mm-hmm. Stephen, that's so true. You, you need both. You really hit on some key yes. factors there. You need them both. Referring back to that study, the, um, yep. some of the results there is the study focused on talent strategies for innovation, looking at what are the talent needs within the organization, from project managers and others participating in these efforts to birth this innovation, to create this new product, this new result. And it really struck me the emphasis on soft skills. You know, some of the stats that I was seeing, the majority are soft skills rather than technical or business skills. For looking at the Economist Intelligent Unit's 2009 report, creativity was 51%. So creativity was top in terms of needs for talent followed right. by uh, ability to collaborate. So the individual needs to you know, be creative, but also not rely just on what's in their skull, right? They're eight pounds. <laughs> right. They've got to look at those of others and uh, how do I tap into the creativity of others? How do I collaborate?
0: Yeah, and then in the construct of the open innovation study, the focus was really to understand how organizations accelerate an idea or an opportunity to actually Put something in front of their customer. And a lot of organizations have struggled with being able to accelerate value delivery to their customers. But again, the pace of change, the fact that you have customers that are more demanding, the fact that technology is rapidly changing and enabling new capabilities at an incredible rate of speed, a lot of organizations will find that they no longer exist if they can't adapt and change. But there's still a need to focus on running the business. So you still need to make sure that normal day-to-day business activities and process improvements and internal change occurs as well. And so in the study, we found that many of the organizations created their innovation system looking for people who were able to think outside of the box, who were able to manage ambiguity and uncertainty, who thrived in environments where you had to collaborate with a diverse group of individuals, not just team members inside your organization, but in some instances with people that were developing new or emerging technologies with your supplier community and your channels. And so that requires, as you pointed out in the Economist Intelligence Unit study, that requires a much heavier emphasis on the soft skills as opposed to the traditional technical project management skills. So, in the APQC study, for example, BT, British Telecom, was one of the study participants that we focused on. And in BT, they have one opportunity that's around technology. So Through their pipeline, they were finding that a number of their customers were abandoning the traditional cable. So they were moving towards Netflix and Hulu and other streaming services. But they had the opportunity to provide a lot of new capabilities through their broadband pipeline. And so they created an innovation unit to scan what Silicon Valley was doing and what venture capitalists were focusing on investing their resources in to find that next big opportunity. And they realized that their competitors were doing the same. So for them, the advantage was being first to market and being able to take advantage of that opportunity. But they also realized that bringing in these new technologies created a risk for their organization. So all of these new technologies are all operating on the same engineered platform that's going to deliver the service through the broadband. And so for that particular platform, they need stability, they need to make sure that nothing is going to negatively impact that platform because if that happens, there goes their business. And so they created this innovation system where taking ideas from their customers, from their suppliers, from venture capitalists, from innovators, they have a series of workshops where they have project teams that develop a proof of concept and their executives judge the proof of concept And once the proof of concept is approved, maybe two or three get approved and they become part of the portfolio of the next wave of innovation. Now the interesting thing that BT does that completely violates our PMBOK Guide process, (laughs) uh, they actually involve their project managers in the ideation phase Mm. because what they found is they don't have the time, if they want to accelerate delivery, they don't have the time for knowledge transfer to occur between the team that came up with the idea and the project manager. So that's one element. The other element is the project manager works across the organization. And so as they're looking at the idea, the project manager understands, we need to work with marketing on this. And this person in engineering has this particular skill set, So we need this person engaged. So they're able to look at what do we need to have in place in terms of people, process, and capability to really accelerate delivering this effectively to the customer. And then lastly, they need somebody who understands the customer. Who better than the project manager? Because they not only work inside the organization, but they engage with the customers as well in resolving customer issues. So that's an example of how an organization revamped its traditional project delivery system to build in innovation to help accelerate being able to deliver value to the customer. And interestingly, they also use a traditional gated review process. Mm -hmm. So at certain points in the development process, there is a review with the executives, but the development activities actually occur using iterative development practices with their customers who test their product and give them feedback in real time. So BT is a good example of an organization that developed a hybrid delivery system to accelerate their ability to innovate and deliver value to their customers.
2: That was a great example, and I, as I was reading through the study, I came across the BT example, and they they used a unique term to describe their project manager. They called the project manager a translator. Yes, and I like that. It said they saw the project manager as a translator. They translate customer needs and requirements in high level terms into prototypes, the company can turn into new offerings. So, just as you described, they're there right from the beginning, right in the ideation phase. They help develop the prototype, they see which ones get funded, and then they go forward with that. A lot of value in that.
0: Right. And again, in order to be successful when you're trying to marshal other areas of the business, people who have other responsibilities and accountabilities, Your relationships with people in the organization are what help you be as successful as your technical skills and capabilities. So again, if you know the go-to people, you're ahead of the game. If you understand what their issues and their considerations are, you can make sure that they are brought in to deal with only those issues and implications that are within their area. So they're not sitting in three-hour meetings talking about things that they can't contribute to. You're leveraging them at the right time and in the right way. So to your point, soft skills are absolutely critical in this type of innovative environment.
2: Steve, this also reminds me, I read a book by Morton Hansen called Collaboration. And as I was reading through the study, it reminded me, this was my first exposure to the idea of a T-shaped manager. Uh-huh. Uh, when i was reading collaboration and there the vertical part of the t is the performance of that manager in their own job so these are my responsibilities how well do i manage resources how well do i hit deadlines how well do i you know deliver prototypes follow up make changes and put results out in the marketplace and then the the horizontal part of the t is collaborating across the company and you know hanson's point and the research showed that companies really value those that not only go deep in terms of knowledge but also go very far across you know that the uh, horizontal part of that t they've got a lot of contacts throughout their their network both in the company and outside the company to get right. things done to break through obstacles to make sure that they're aware of the best resources giving heads up to other departments that are going to be impacted by the change coming through So that idea of, you know, as project managers, we add more and more value to our organizations when we become those T-shaped managers that have a big horizontal portion of that T.
0: Right, and to your point, there's also a lot of research around careers, that the number of career changes that people make in their lifetime is also increasing significantly. So for those of us in our generation, (laughs) we tended to change careers about eight to 10 times in our lifetime. For the younger generation that's coming up, the expectation is that people will change careers about 15 to 18 different times. And in those career changes, there are significant skills and capabilities that are needed for that new role. So it doesn't mean that you abandon what you had before because... Apparently, your organization felt that those skills and capabilities were important and were critical for your new role. But the key is to understand what new capabilities or skills you need to build and then pivot so that you make sure that you can do that. And to your point, a lot of ways that project and program managers are doing that is by seeking out assignments that force them to build their skills and capabilities. I delivered a webinar in Japan for all of the folks in IBM Japan across the country. And one of the gentlemen that was at the presentation indicated that the best thing that happened to him was being assigned to a project in another country, Hmm. where the culture was completely different from the culture and the environment that he was used to working in. And the change for him was that the light bulb went off after about a month, that People were behaving with him as though he were a guest, not as ah. though he were a member of the team, <laughs> not as though he, were, he was actually uh, helping to facilitate and lead the team. And so he realized in this particular environment, I actually have to empower, verbally and physically empower these people to feel that they own this particular outcome not that I'm going to direct them in what they need to do. And so he deliberately changed his leadership style and behavior with the team to encourage them in some instances to actually push them to step up and to take on leadership roles in their own right. And he said that was actually the best work experience that he ever had because it not only forced him to change his skills and capabilities, But he was then able to mentor and coach these individuals to bring out things in them that they weren't able to demonstrate on past projects that they had worked on. So I think that's a very good example of not only building yourself as a T-shaped person, but also giving your team members that opportunity as well.
2: Mm. Stephen, I know you referred to the findings of the Global Executive Council in 2011, And there were a lot of similarities in the studies and the findings. And so much of it to me, it just resonated with soft skills, just like you're describing there of kind of looking beyond myself, growing my emotional intelligence, becoming more aware of the health of the team and the particular environment that I'm in and what's going to work and what's not, and removing those obstacles. As you and I were talking before uh, back at Global, we talked about, you know, it seems like the project manager is evolving from the technician to more of the one who has a leadership mindset, a business strategic mindset. Talk more about that. So again, we're kind of going back from we can't just cook anymore and follow the recipe. We need to become that chef. You gave an interesting list of critical skills and behaviors. And uh, when I look through that, you know, when you look at the page, so much of those are soft skills again.
0: Yeah, so in 2011, as PMI started to explore how organizations were focusing on talent management, We conducted a survey with members of our global executive council. So that is a group of about 80 to 90 different organizations around the world that are fairly mature in their organizational project management capabilities. And we asked them, for your most strategic projects and programs, what are the skills and capabilities that you look for in the project and program managers who lead those initiatives? And to your point, The feedback that we received was very enlightening in that there really were no technical skills and capabilities on the list that we got back from the council members. There were six categories of capabilities, one around strategic vision, superior communications, exceptional leadership, conflict resolution, integrated thinking, and personal differentiators like being curious, exemplifying integrity. Improving yourself, having a strong focus on self-improvement and self-reflection. And the interesting thing about that was that, again, for these senior leaders in the organization, technical skills were considered table stakes, that you would not have made it to your position if you didn't have that base of technical skills, strong technical skills. And there's a recognition that in a more senior role, you are not doing the planning you're not doing the risk management you are facilitating the team in doing that so there are people on the team who now have those accountabilities and so you are focused on how do i help the team stay integrated how do i help them collaborate effectively what do i need to communicate from the team to our executive sponsor and to our leadership so that we maintain their support so that they help us overcome roadblocks What do I need to communicate inside the organization to get the organization ready to use the outputs from the project or the program to drive the business goals and objectives? How do I need to help people in the organization understand how to support the project team effectively? So the research pointed out that mindset, behavior, your interpersonal skills, leadership capabilities, critical thinking, and problem solving were really what make you stand out. And so that's why I shared with the group at the global conference that how you think, behave, and lead are what are going to distinguish you, not your technical skills. Because technical skills I can train you in, but I can't make you a good leader. You have to build that skill and that capability and the credibility to be accepted by others as a leader in the organization. And so that was really the uh, insight from the council study. That was further confirmed when we did our 2014 thought leadership series on talent management. That most organizations are building their talent management to focus on those leadership and business skills and capabilities because there is a recognition that either individuals already have strong technical skills or we can develop specific training, tools, and other capabilities to help them develop and display those skills.
2: Stephen, it reminded me of a quote that I heard from CEO Herb Gallagher years ago, from Southwest Airlines. And he said, uh, he talked about attitudes. He said, we draft great attitudes. If you don't have a good attitude, we don't want you, no matter how skilled you are. We can change skill levels through training. We can't change attitudes. Right. So one of the questions that I have is I think through all this and think about how the role of project manager is evolving. And maybe to put it more appropriately, maybe the more valuable the project manager becomes, you know, how does the project manager increase her value or his value? It's through this leadership. It's through these soft skill areas. So then it begs the question that I want to throw back to you. How do you see organizations or individuals helping project managers take it to that next level?
0: So let me start at the individual level. So I've been with PMI for 20 years. So I was here when the registered education provider program started as a way of helping individuals who had gained their PMP continue to develop their skills and capabilities around project management. And I would say for the first five years of that program, the majority of the professional development units that were being submitted for approval were around technical skills, risk management, scheduling, planning, etc. I would say around 2005 that really started to change significantly. We started to see more in the leadership, more in the negotiation, more around change management because project leaders were realizing we're actually putting things into the organization but they're not being used because we didn't think about how to enable the organization to embrace the output and actually use it to build the capability that's going to drive the outcomes. And so people started to focus on change management. And then when PMI developed the talent triangle, I think that then pushed people who were just kind of completing PDUs to complete PDUs to focus on making sure that they had a balance between the technical skills, leadership and interpersonal skills, and the business skills. I would say that one of the key things I would say to individuals is, if you're completing PDUs just to tick the box You're wasting an opportunity. You're wasting your opportunity and you're wasting your organization's opportunity because this is really your investment in ensuring that you remain competitive in today's environment, not only within your organization, but also competitive with your peers who are project leaders. So take advantage of the opportunity to look at the skills and capabilities that you need to develop and build your professional development around those activities. So don't just complete PDUs to complete PDUs. Complete PDUs to help you advance into the types of roles that your organization is creating for project leaders and also to be a stronger coach and mentor to the people on your project teams. Now, a lot of organizations are investing significantly in training and development. So a lot of organizations have internal academies where they bring in uh, registered education providers to conduct training and development within their organizations as well. So for the organizations that are looking at what do we need to do to help our team members build their capabilities, the first thing I would say is go to PMI's website, to our learning tab, and there you will find our thought leadership series from 2014 on talent management. And we give a roadmap for what to think about in terms of how to help your teams, including your human resource group within your organization, your learning and development group within the organization, your PMO leaders, if you have them, how to get them all around the table to talk about the skills and capabilities you need now and into the future so that you're building not only your current team members and capabilities, but if you're like many organizations that are looking at a transitioning workforce, you need to start thinking about what are the new skills and capabilities that we need as our more senior people leave the organization and we bring new people into the organization. So that would be my recommendation to the organizations. And not only that, but as you're looking at changing your value delivery system. So if you have been using more traditional models and you're starting to see that more and more of your projects have hybrid characteristics or you're using agile capabilities, look at what you need to do to help your teams build those capabilities. And when I say your teams, I don't just mean your project management leadership and your PMO teams. I mean your finance group has to be a part of that. Marketing has to be a part of that. Legal and compliance and procurement all have to be a part of that because shifting from a more traditional way of doing business to more agile and hybrid changes the business. It doesn't just change the project delivery, it changes the business. So you have to plan and finance agile projects differently than you do more traditional projects. You have to think about risk and compliance in a different way in agile environments than you do in traditional environments. and so. You need to bring all of your team on board, not just the project leadership, not just the developers. Everybody needs to understand their role in this new agile environment, and everybody will likely need new skills and capabilities to help them be successful in making the change from more traditional ways of delivering projects to more agile and hybrid ways of delivery.
1: Steven, let me get back to the individual just a little bit. I'm trying to get into the mind of a listener who's a project manager, developing his or her technical skills, but does aspire to go beyond that and Mm -hmm. become the chef instead of the cook, what challenges do you think that person is going to face here in the coming years in project
0: management? So when we did the workshop at the Global Conference in Philadelphia, it was interesting when I asked the question where people saw themselves, they knew intuitively where they were. I would say that the vast majority of people probably felt that they were more in the cook range, that they felt very comfortable working with process and having a clear understanding of what they were expected to deliver and a clear pathway for how they were going to deliver that. But as one young lady in the audience said, you know, she liked being a disruptor, she liked the fact that there was a manageable degree of chaos because that gave her something exciting Mm. to be able to work on. It gave her something to apply those critical thinking skills to. So I think intuitively people know just how much chaos they can manage (laughs) or that they're comfortable with. Mm. And for some people, that's a lot of chaos. And for other people, that's a little bit. So I think, first of all, intuitively people know. Second, we are seeing some of our organizational stakeholders, particularly within our Global Executive Council that are identifying ways to match individuals with the characteristics of the projects that those organizations are managing. So for example, IBM, NASA, the Infrastructure and Projects Authority in the UK have systems for evaluating what are the characteristics of the project or program that we're trying to deliver And they have a separate system for identifying the skills and capabilities of their projects and program managers so that they can make a better match between the two. So if the project or program is going to be very complex, if it has a lot of political dynamics, then they pull in individuals who can manage the political aspects. Because again, we can find technical people who can help manage the high degree of risk or uncertainty in the project. We can leverage other skills and capabilities that we have within our teams but we need somebody who has proven that they understand how to deal with highly politically charged environments and can manage the stakeholders in a way that helps the team successfully adapt the project or program to deliver the right results. So you have these organizations that are building this infrastructure to match the characteristics of their project with the capabilities and skills of their project and program leaders. So I would say that those are two things. One, know yourself and understand yourself. And again, look for opportunities to build skills and capabilities. So one way is to kind of step out of your traditional comfort zone. If you've managed just traditional delivery projects, step into a change management program. You know, there is nothing more incredible than being able to help establish new processes, new ways of thinking, new ways of behaving in the organization that's really going to challenge those interpersonal and those leadership skills and capabilities. So if that's an area that you want to get into, lead a change management program. If you've never worked in an Agile environment, volunteer to be a part of an Agile development team. Learn from their perspective a different way of thinking about how we deliver outputs and outcomes that drive our organizational business forward. So, step into opportunities that present you with an opportunity to have a different experience, but also potentially change your mindset.
2: Stephen, I'm thinking back to those contestants on Chopped, and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. you know, for some of those folks, for me, for instance, there's no way I'm going to go on Chopped. First of all, they look at my resume background and go, <laughs> nah, he's not ready for this. But for those who were stepping into that kitchen to be judged like that and to have the pressure of the time and as you say, the chaos. That was a thought process they went through to subject themselves to that, obviously. So it begins with self-awareness. Where am I right now? Where do I want to be in the future? Am I going to set a goal to push myself into it and then look for opportunities in my organization? There's another thing that you said that intrigues me, and I see an opportunity here, a business opportunity that you and I will have to talk about offline. Similar to a dating app, we can create some kind of matching app for organizations (laughs) to look at the individual PM and look at the opportunity and have a little matchmaking going on there based on you know, the characteristics of the person and the attributes of that project to see how much chaos or risk is involved in it. That's very intriguing.
0: Yeah, and again, some of the organizations deliberately push people into roles that they may not necessarily be comfortable in, but they ensure that that person has a mentor or a coach to help support them so that they don't feel that they've been thrown into a situation and kind of abandoned. Yeah. So again, as part of their development, they want people to stretch themselves. And generally we tend not to want to jump into situations where we don't necessarily feel prepared, particularly mm-hmm. if it has a lot of visibility in the organization. So when organizations want individuals to step up, They not only need to provide the opportunity, but they need to make sure that there's some support on the back end to help the person be successful. And so, again, with a lot of our council member organizations and other organizations that we work with, they're building this dual system. So we want to give you the development opportunity, but we're also going to leverage expertise that we have in the organization to mentor and coach you which is also a development opportunity for the mentor coach because they get to transfer some of the skills and capabilities and knowledge that they've gained through experience, which can be incredibly useful to someone who's not been down that path before.
1: Stephen, your passion for the field of project management is so obvious. I want to close by asking you the question, what excites you most right now about this profession?
0: So, what excites me most about this profession is I think project management is in for a complete revolution. Technology is going to enable project delivery in a completely different way than we can envision right now. I can envision in the next three to five years, for example, that my project team members are going to put in a daily report, they're going to dictate a daily report into their mobile phone that Report is going to be compiled across the team. While we're asleep or doing whatever we need to do at home, that artificial intelligence is going to be compiling that information, taking a look at our schedule and giving us recommendations on how we're doing and where we might be able to make improvements. It's going to look across the projects that are going on in our organization right now and projects that were completed to identify common trends or common issues, and it's going to give us recommendations to say, we have identified four projects that have similar characteristics to the one that you're working on, and for those projects, these are risks that they identified that you don't have on your risk register. You need to think about whether these apply in your particular project or program. So artificial intelligence is going to help us think and analyze information in a much more useful way so that artificial intelligence will actually be a contributing team member to our project and program teams in the not too distant future. Which means that the project teams will have more time and more opportunity to focus on stakeholder engagement, the interpersonal communication and engagement within the team, the what's the best approach and the alternatives for us to deliver the right outcome for the client, for the organization, for the customer. So it's really going to change the dynamic within the project environment from one of managing process and managing artifacts and managing communication to one of really accelerating value delivery by keeping the team focused on what's required to actually produce the desired outcome from the project and program.
1: I'm sure there are listeners who are thinking, I'd love to be able to connect with this guy. Is there a way to do that?
0: Sure. I am at Project Management Institute at steven, S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D at org. So feel free to reach out. Also, I would encourage people to visit our website at pmi.org, where again, we have tons of research and information that people can access and download at no charge. A lot of the studies that we talked about in today's podcast are actually available on the website for anyone who wants to participate. And if you want to engage with others in the project management community, we have our community site at projectmanagement.com that you can participate in as well.
1: Well, Stephen Townsend, we appreciate so much your time. As a token of our appreciation, we have this little, well, it's actually not little, It's, it's a big manage this coffee mug. And we're going to awesome. send that to you.
0: Awesome. I need that. I, I go through at least four cups of little tiny mug cups. So I need <laughs> a real big one. Give me that big boost.
2: We'll upgrade his coffee size that way. Yeah, this yeah. is this is a chef's mug. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thanks all right. again. And thank you.
1: Before we go, we want to thank you, our listeners, for all your comments about our podcast. We hope you'll continue to tell us what you like and how we can improve. You can leave a comment on Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whichever podcast listening app you use. You can also leave comments on the VelocityTeach.com website or on our social media pages. And don't forget about those free PDUs you just earned for listening to this podcast to claim your professional development units toward your recertifications. Go to VelocityTeach.com and choose Manage This Podcast from the top of the page click the button that says claim PDUs and then click right through the steps. That's it for this episode of Manage This. We hope you'll tune back in on March 3rd for our 100th episode. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.